Welcome everybody to Damage Radio, heard here live on MakaRadio.com, where music and minds meet. You already know me, I'm RC, and here is a special throwback episode from July 20th, 2015, when I had the privilege of having Monster Factory's own Danny Cage, as well as Monster Factory alumni and current WWE superstar and tag team champion Riddle. Enjoy this episode, guys, and keep it damaged. Welcome, everyone, to Damage Radio. Heard here live on MonkoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. You know me, I'm RC, alongside Matt Porter. We got Monster Factory regular in the house, and for Damage Radio, Danny Cage. Hello, hello, hello. And he did not come alone, ladies and gentlemen. We have former UFC fighter and now the new Monster Factory heavyweight champion, Matthew Riddle, in the house. Matt, man, welcome. Thanks for having me. And what what a wild career you've had so far, man. One chapter op- um, closed, another began. Let's go back to the first chapter, man, with UFC. Uh, talk a little bit about um, the beginning and how you decided to pursue that. Yeah, you know, uh, I uh, wrestled in high school, won states and nationals in high school, started wrestling in college, partied a little too hard, <laughs> found myself fighting in a cage, and uh, about four months, six months after I started fighting, I... You know, tried out for the Ultimate Fighter, and I was in the UFC probably eight months after my first day of training. And then uh, first fight in the UFC, broke a dude's jaw in three spots, and that kind of solidified my career for the next five, six years until I was released for, you know. Yeah, well, we'll get to that, but uh, when did you start training? Uh, Well, training the MMA, I didn't start training jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts until I was about 20. And, uh, but wrestling, I started wrestling when I was 12 and then my backyard matches, you know, unsanctioned <laughs> that started probably when I was like seven years old. So, you know, okay. Now when you backyard right back up now, how'd that all come about? Backyard wrestling? Yeah. How do you think it came about? Like, like had a trampoline? You, you just, you just <laughs> trampoline. I had a ladder, had some fold-up chairs, oh, some cookie sheets, <laughs> and, you know, we let it rip, man. It was sick. Now, you I'll, know, you probably did the same thing, dude. I did. I, I know. That's very true. Yep. That's why he was late today. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, talk about uh, personally uh, fighting in the UFC. What did that mean to you when you had your first first fight? You know, fighting in the UFC, I, I've even spoken to Dan, I've spoken to a lot of people about it, and it was something that just came really natural to me. I was just really good at fighting since day one. I've always been a scrappy kid, and if you put somebody with pretty good athleticism, with a good wrestling pedigree, who's really scrappy, and like, like nobody ever had to teach me when to hit somebody. I knew when to hurt somebody. It was just something I always knew, you know? So... It, it felt easy. It felt right, you know, and uh, it was great to get into a fight and not get arrested. <laughs> so that was awesome, too. So and I was getting paid and taking your aggression out on people. Yeah, you know, but uh, I, I've told a lot of people this every fight in the UFC, every fight I had. Usually my big thing was I can't wait till this is over and not because I was worried about the fight or anything, but. You know, like fighting's fun. I love the fighting part, but all the training, the three times a day, cutting all the weight, it, it takes its toll. So by the time I got to a fight after an eight to ten week camp, I was just like, let you know, just yeah. let it be over. Let's get this fight over with. Whoever wins, wins. I'm going to go out there, try to kill you. You're going to try to kill me and... Let it go, you know? Talk a bit about the training. Was it like training like every day? How many hours? Uh, I, did, uh, I did six days a week, uh, 
Monday through Friday were three a days. You know, usually I'd wake up, either do jujitsu or I'd do strength and conditioning. And then uh, I'd either spar or do mitts, you know, like mitt work, hitting pads. And, uh, yeah, that was basically it. Wrestle, you know, I'd either spar kickboxing or I'd do MMA sparring, you know, where we would do takedowns with the striking. And uh, But then Saturdays, usually I'd spar for sure. And then before I'd spar, I'd run sprints and lift, you know. So it was just nonstop moving because the only way, you know, right now I'm walking around about 215, 220, and I used to fight 170 when I was in the UFC. You know, and it's not like I'm fat now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a struggle. I was one of the biggest welterweights in the world, probably still am if I caught down, but it was just so much work just to get my weight down. There was no other option than to be in the gym six days a week. You did amateurs too, you said. What were some specific accomplishments that you had? Accomplishments in uh, wrestling? You know, I won states in uh, New York in 2004. Actually, the same year John Jones took third in the state in my weight class. Oh, that. that. <clears throat> you know, no big deal. Yeah, third place. Yeah. You know, third place. Third place first. Yeah. But, uh, and then uh, I won nationals my junior year. Actually, my junior year, I got really sick before regionals. And in New York, you had to win your region to go to states. And, uh, Got sick as a dog and got tech falled in the finals. Just embarrassed, That's you know. Awful. Yeah, awful. And my dad Jeez. was making fun of me. And that no. dude, he never wrestled, but he played in the band and he's making fun of me. And uh, so that happened. But then a couple weeks later, I felt good. And I saw that guy. It was a freestyle tournament. And I got a shot at him again. And I pinned him in the first round. I just whooped on him. <laughs> and then... Later that offseason, went to Nationals, wasn't ranked, wasn't seeded, because, you know, I didn't even place at States, didn't even make it to States. And I ended up pinning the guys in the National Finals, and I remember them announcing, Matt Riddle unseeded, going home a national champion, da 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 And, I, you know, that was a good accomplishment, you know, have being in a tournament with, like, 70 people throughout the country. They're all state place winners or champions and beating them all. Yeah, that's nice. cool. <laughs> Now, fight night. Let's talk about that, man. I'll talk about the minutes before going out. Um, what gets you hyped up, man, to get into the cage? Theme music, anything? You, you know what? I'm one of those rare birds. Uh, everybody, I, like even my last fight I had with Titan FC, uh, I went out there and the promoter's like, are you ready? Because I'm just so calm and relaxed and I'm just, you know, sitting there. It was even like my last wrestling match <laughs> at the factory. I'm in the back talking to one of the guys. And I'm like, yeah, so, you know. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, wait a second, is that my music playing? <laughs> he goes, yes, that's your music playing. Get out there. Because I just, you know, I'm just really relaxed before yeah. those kind of things while people are usually nervous. Yeah, he's sweating. very relaxed. <laughs> so, and that was my, that was probably one of my biggest attributes, fighting, because most of those guys, even if they're world-class athletes and they can do every move under the sun and they're awesome, you put them in front of millions of people watching at home, thousands in that crowd, their parents, everybody's watching they go from men to kids, you know, because that pressure gets to them. They get tired instantly. Well, me, I just never got nervous. It wasn't my thing, you know. I was just like, worst thing that happens is I go out there and he breaks my jaw in like five seconds. <laughs> and once, that's all. And then once, you know, once we touch gloves, yeah. and once we touch gloves and that five seconds or ten seconds already passed, I was like, well, the worst is over. I mean, that can't happen now. Not yeah. anything after this is, you know, cake. Yeah. So... Uh, Danny, what was your first impressions of, of Matt? He's, he, uh, <laughs> very first impression. <laughs> very first impression was uh, it wasn't a good one because, like, he said something that was very stupid. Uh -oh. um, 
but it was, you know, it was to be expected because that's why I told him, like, when he contacted us, his, his buddy uh, and uh, trainer over at, uh, what is that? What's... Rat, Rat Pack Biting yeah, Systems Rat... up in Palmerton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, the guy's awesome. Uh, should, I, should I give out his name at all? Yeah, yeah. Nick Massington. N- Nick Massington. I just didn't know if he wanted to, to have oh, yeah. his name. He loves it. Okay, awesome. Nick, but he's a, a Nick great guy. Massington. Yeah, and I seek. <laughs> he's a great guy, and he contacted me about uh, Riddle wanting to uh, train, and he goes, you know, we're, we're not looking to fast track it and go anywhere. I was like, well, I could probably get you a tryout tomorrow. I could just contact Gerald Briscoe, but I was like, but... Um, I'd like him to come in so he does all the right things so he has a long career. And, like, the first day he came in, I just shook his hand. I was like, so why do you want to do this? And he's like, well, bro, you know, I figure I throw around people for real, you know, like, why not do this? And I was like, okay, well, that's, like, the worst thing to say because now what you're saying is all that we do is bull crap. And he's like, well, and I go, I know. I would love to see your reaction live when he said that. Yeah, I just, I gave the (laughs) old. like, what the? I was like, yeah. yeah, that's not the the best thing to say, and they, but you know, but he's a, a workhorse. Uh, the the biggest thing that he has to work on, and he's worked on it considerably, is he doesn't. In the very beginning, he didn't realize like wrestling all isn't like MMA where you have to go go go. Like you heard about him training three times a day and this and this. None of that had to do with sitting down and going over psychology or cutting promos or studying anything else or how to act in the locker room or any of that stuff. It's not like a real sport, pro wrestling. There's so much that goes into it that, like, inside the ring is maybe 5% of what actually happens. But a lot of times we train more of what happens in the ring when we need more time outside of it. Like, we probably, you know, cover so much more just sitting and talking an hour after training or an hour before and you learn so much more of that, like sitting on a bar stool sometimes, than actually what goes on in the ring. So that was the biggest thing with him was to dial him down a little bit and realize, because I'd see him getting antsy. Oh, like it, drove, we, it drove me crazy. Yeah. He's like, you just hang out ringside and watch. And I'm like, what do you mean just watch? Let me That's in there. That's what he asked Yeah, yeah. He, they he makes did, everybody do it. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> He did, he just did lockups. I think what for like two weeks. Yes, lockups. Take the risk, you know. Working on that chain wrestling for two weeks before I even got in the ring. And you know, like, and, and the funniest thing is, we had people saying like, "You're treating him differently." I'm like, "No," I was like, "I'm treating him just the same." If if anything, I'm treating him worse because like, I was like yelling at him for being late when anyone else I would have just been like, "You're late, dude." Yeah. But like, I was like yelling at him and his wife for being late for a show when anybody else I would have just been like. Why are you late? Like via text message, but you know, so yeah, uh, that's like the uh, the biggest thing is to um, like is once he got adjusted to okay, this is the way it is. It was smooth sailing. Couple bumps here and there where he was like a little impatient, like you know he wanted to do this, he wanted to do that, he you know he wanted to see when he was going to get that tryout and this this and this, but then like then it became smooth sailing because like. He's like, oh, Dan does know what he's talking about, you know. Because I know it's crazy. He does, though. It <laughs> does. does. It yeah. all pays out at the end if you listen. Yeah, because I know, uh, you know, he never told me that he doubted me, but I know he doubted me because I would doubt me. Because like, you know, who, who the hell am I? But it worked out. That was the thing going in. How much did you doubt me? I mean, <laughs> for real? Yeah, for real. <laughs> no, no, you no. can say it. I don't uh, mind. You know, I didn't necessarily doubt you because i saw that you put other people in that position already before i got there and i knew of my skills there it was inevitable that we would get there but you know there was times where i was like 
damn, he's being way too hard, I think. Like, they're not, th- they're not like this. But then when you get down there and you realize you got to be on your toes, they watch everything, not just your footwork in the ring. They're watching your mannerisms outside the ring while other people are working, you know. And, you know, and the thing is, I'm like, I, don't, I, I haven't been to other wrestling schools, but I know at our wrestling school, it, we're being watched all the time. It doesn't matter if we're working in the ring or if we're outside. If you're on the outside talking or eating a banana and not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're more likely to get yelled at than if you're doing something wrong in the ring because that's just as big of a deal in professional wrestling, especially down there, as it is, you know. Yeah, because I, I get on kids like if if because I would yell at him or somebody else. I'm like, guys, shut the you know f up and get over there and stand by the ring and. You know, you're not allowed to lean on the ring. You got to stand with your arms folded and all that. And then, like, when he went down for his tryout, he's like, now I know why you did it. Now I know why you did it. But, like, other people, they just hear that and they're like, wait a minute. You know, you yell at me and you actually act like a real coach. Like, I'm just here to play. So then they slowly stop coming around, which is awesome. Yeah. As long as they keep paying Mm -hmm. their tuition. (laughs) But, like, if you don't want to learn, go away. Like, it's simple as that. Like, I don't yell at people because, like, it's what I want to do. Like, I'm trying to prepare you. My job is to prepare you for the WWE or Ring of Honor or TNA and all that stuff. Now, I know, like, I don't know if TNA and Ring of Honor and all that do all these things, but I know what WWE does, and I know that's the biggest moneymaker around. So I will train you for that, and everything else is just gravy. Like, you go there, and they're not yelling at you. Well, Dan was all bullcrapping us, but then later on, if they go to the NXT... No, Dan wasn't bullcrapping us. So. And, and I guarantee if you go to New Japan, they're oh, yeah. big on respect. Yeah. You'll get your face smashed yeah. in if you don't do anything. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. Well, that's the thing. When you left UFC, did you have a big head when you were trying to pick out a wrestling school to go to? Do you think, you, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go and dominate, do what I got to do? And Well, you know, I'm confident. You know, I think I'm going to dominate in anything I do. And not necessarily dominate, but I'm going to excel. I'm going to make sure. I don't want to give anybody a reason to say no, you know? But it, when I was picking a wrestling school, it was mostly I wanted to go somewhere that was I knew I'd get somewhere, you know, and I knew by choosing the Balancer Factory, I'd end up somewhere pretty quickly. Because did you, did the, you look them up on YouTube? Like, how did you- I I looked I looked up a bunch of different gyms on YouTube, especially in the Northeast. There's tons of them, but this one was open the most days a week. They had a good cast of people working, like Blue Meanie and Wild Bill and Danny Cage, and plus the other independent talent they have there, you know, like Luis and QT, and it was just, it was a good fit. And then even when I went to, because when I first started, I went to the Monster Factory, and then I went to Ring of Honor the next day because they had one of those weekend camps. And I I liked Ring of Honor, I liked their style, all that, but I noticed the size difference just in the athletes they worked with compared to the guys that are at the monster factory and in my head i go well if i want to get to wwe because that's where i want to be i had to work with guys this size i had to work with those kind of people because wwe isn't hiring small dudes you know that weigh 140 pounds they're looking for monsters you know like the smallest you know you know how it goes so when i saw that i saw what the students looked like I saw what the school looked like. I saw what they brought to the table. I saw the hours. It was a no-brainer. I knew I could excel faster there than anywhere else. So you walk in. You see, we always talk about the pictures on the wall. Your first impressions of seeing all that. 
Yeah, well, you know, the, the one thing, and Danny knows this, I'm a mark, you know. I love, <laughs> like, And I was the mark for mixed martial arts, too. I was a fan before I was a fighter, just like. That's a I, good thing. That's a yeah, good thing. It, yeah, and uh, when I saw all those pictures of multiple legends, and not even just seeing the pictures, when I actually started performing and practicing, having legends like Sean Waltman, MVP, guys come into our gym, not just to watch, but to like teach, coach, get in there with us. Now, how hard is it not to just run right over to him and be like, hey, I watched you? You know, the thing is, I fought in the UFC for a while and I've just never been starstruck. I remember when I was on The Ultimate Fighter and I got Rampage Jackson and Forrest Griffin are the two coaches. And I remember like probably a week or so in, I like look over, I'm like, you know what? Like most people would be going crazy right now <laughs> because I got Forrest and Rampage, like, you know, sharing the inside scoops and. We're sharing food, and we're all hanging out. We're all buddy-buddy, and we get to train with these guys 24-7, and most people would flip out because I've brought people in my corner that I thought, you know, would be cool, and then I see them, like, <laughs> snapping pictures, like, Anderson Silva, bro. And, and it's like, like on the ground. Like, and, I'm just, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you're <laughs> never going to be invited here again. You're embarrassing <laughs> me. And it's the same thing there, you know. It's not that you got to be too cool for school, but you got to know where you are. If you're in the locker room or if you're wrestling, that's not the place to be a fan. Now, don't get me wrong. I talked to X-Pac, and I'll be like, I watched all your work. I was an Attitude Era kid, so I've seen every that's single not, match, yeah. you know. You asked me, it was. But, uh, and uh, so I've, I've, seen, I've seen all of his work and just like Blue Meanie, all those guys. Like, I know what they've done. But the first thing I didn't say was like, Blue Meanie, start doing his dance and stuff. I didn't do that. But, you know. You know I, he would be in the corner like. Exactly. Yeah. So what I do is, you know, I break the ice. We talk. We get to know each other. And then I'll be like, you know what? I was a pretty big fan, bro. <laughs> you know? And I think they like that better than. Just the huge dude. fan, huge fan, huge fan. Yeah, they, they, I don't think anybody likes that. Even me, when somebody comes up and they're like, oh man, you're fine. So I'm a huge fan. I'm like, I'm a normal dude. Yeah. Just talk to me. And then you can tell me you're a huge fan or something, you know, or bring up one of my fights. But, you know, I think that's how every one of us is like, you know, you don't want to just be known for that. You want somebody to know you and then tell you. Right. Exactly. You brought up a little about the ultimate fighter. Talk about that, how that was like, you know, it was uh, on TV, of course, you know, and. Dealing with Rampage and Forrest and all that. I mean, the women, it was crazy. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it that was, too. Yeah. It, it was awesome. You know, for me, I was 22 at the time, 21, 22. I got to train with Rampage Jackson, Forrest Griffin, two of the best fighters, two of the most well-known fighters in the world still to this day. And we lived in a mansion in Vegas. You literally had to pick up a phone, and they would bring you whatever you wanted, be it beer, liquor, food, whatever you wanted, and that was that. So for me, it was awesome. For other people yeah, with families great. and, like, responsibilities, <laughs> they were really stressed out. Yeah. They didn't like it at all. Did you watch this week's episode? Oh, okay. Well, the thing is, you can't even call your family the whole time you're there. Oh, you can't read books. You can't watch TV. You can't do anything. You can't even listen to music. And the reason they do that is they want you to fight with one another. They want, but like I said, they didn't hesitate to bring you a bottle of booze when you asked for it. It didn't matter. <laughs> didn't matter if it was ten in the morning or ten at night. They would bring it, and you would hear a knock on the back door. You'd open up, and there'd be like a quarter keg and some alcohol, and you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, let's go." You know, of course, the other guys would hate it when my delivery showed up. <laughs> but, but you know, when you're 22 and yeah. you're, you know, it's like, hey, I'm gonna drink and sunbathe today. Yeah. We'll spar a little bit later. <laughs> Sounds like a good day. You know, these guys are all dieting, doing their thing. You know, but it, to, I'll tell you this: other people say they dreaded it. 
It was probably the coolest, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Six-week vacation, training with the world's best, getting food delivered to me. <laughs> Talk about, I bet there had to have been pranks, right? Oh, yeah. I pull, I, actually, I was probably the primary prankster. Didn't you get the, Rampage? I did. And, and, he, and he almost he killed you? Almost kill, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk well, about that. They, don't, they don't show the part where he almost kills me. They oh, only geez. show the part where I put shaving cream or whipped cream, whatever I put on his head. They show that. <laughs> then they show him, like, flip out on the other team because he didn't know it was me because he just didn't expect his own team to <laughs> yeah. do that to him. But uh, I remember I went to practice that day, and he goes, and uh, the Ultimate Fighter gym, they make it look a lot bigger on TV. It's actually a very small gym. So, like, half of us, there's eight of us, half of us would jump rope, and then, like, the other half, or six of us would jump rope, the other two would uh, run on the treadmills. So he goes, hey, Chipper, because that's what he called me. He's was always smiling, always happy. He goes, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go over to the treadmills today? I'm like, sure, coach. And he comes over and he goes, hey, Chipper, how fast you run? I'm like, I can run really fast, and I can run for a long time, Rampage. I'm, pretty, I'm in pretty good shape, you know? And he's like, well, that's good. That's good, Chipper. He's like, because I don't think it's too funny you put shaving cream on my head. And I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and then I tried to deny it at first, and he's just like, I know you did it. Like, and then he told me the one guy told him on our team. And I was like, so I start running. He throws it up to about 15 miles per hour with a 10 incline. And he just has me going. And every oh, no. time I go to grab the rail, he Smash punches it. my hands. <laughs> So, and he's like, do not jump off. You don't want to jump off. So I'm like, I'm still running. I'm dying. All of a sudden, the treadmill short circuits, you know, it burns out the circuit in the wall. So like the breaker, whatever. So it stops. So I get a break. I hop off. I'm like, you know, that's going to, that's it. That's it. You know, the guy who told on me, he goes, I got it, coach. Runs over to the breaker, oh flips it back God. over, and starts the treadmill back up. Who was that? Pr- Jeremy May. Jeremy Love May. And he also he got what he deserved. He paid for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but then uh, so the treadmill starts up. I do like another like five or seven minutes because I already did like ten or like nine. So he just made me do another five or six. He's like, "All right, you're done." You know. So I hop off. I remember looking at that dude, and I'm like, bro, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, what? I'm like, I'm going to murder you. I'm like, I'm like you're <laughs> dead. You're dead. I don't like you. Nobody. I'm like, nobody here likes you. What you a know stooge. That. What a yeah. stooge. And that's the thing. He was just Rampage's, you know, little butt boy. You know, he you know, he knew he had no chance at winning the show or even making a career in the UFC, but he knew he could possibly be part of Rampage's entourage. And he made it for a couple months, but that was about it. Yeah. I know you're not a fighter anymore in the UFC, um, but the Reebok deal we were talking about off air. What are your thoughts on on that? You you know, it, there's pros and cons to everything, and like with the UFC, there's a lot of cons for a lot of things. But uh, I think it's you know for me, like I said earlier, for me it would be good because I've already put my time into the UFC. I had so many, I had 12 fights in the UFC, so they would have to pay me a good amount of money because I've been there. Now, coming off the Ultimate Fighter, you could even have 20 fights before you even get your first fight in the UFC, and that guy could have been making, you know, maybe $20,000 in sponsorships, and now, because it's his first fight in the UFC, he's reduced to, like, probably, like, four or five, I think that's what it is, what you start off with, I would imagine. Right. I hope, at least. It might even be 2500 It's the UFC. You know, they're not known for dropping huge checks, so... Yeah, well, um, you know, we when I was looking everything up on YouTube, you know, your career and everything, I did read, you know, I heard about it before, but I heard about the allegations of you know Dana White saying all that stuff, you know, about how you got fired and all that. Um, maybe you could just 
clear the air and just talk a little bit about that and tell tell us the truth. I mean, uh, what happened? Uh, well, what happened? I I can tell you what happened. You know, uh, uh, I had a fight. You know, uh, I signed a fight to fight Shay Mills, and I was very hesitant to do it. It was in London, England, and I don't like fighting in Europe, you know, especially when you fight one of their guys, you know, because the English fans are pretty, they're hooligans. One spit on you, right? <laughs> Dude, my first fight in Manchester, <laughs> like, I come really? out, I come out, now check this out. I don't know if you guys know this, pro wrestling's huge in England, huge. I didn't know this. So I had a custom Riddle Mania t-shirt on, you know, whatever. This dude says some very nasty things to me. I look up at him. Probably shouldn't have looked at him. And he spit right into my mouth. <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it didn't just hit my face. It was like, oh, like, and I'm like. Slow motion. So I, like, spit it out. I go ask, I go to go after him. Some big security dude grabs me. He's like, not today, mate. Not today. you got to get in the cage. So, I'm, you know, I'm already livid. The crowd's booing me, spitting on me. That wasn't the only guy spitting on me. I think once he did it, everybody was like, great idea. And they just <laughs> kept it going. And then my music hits, and I came out to Hulk Hogan's music. I want to be, you know. Yeah. And when that music hit, those boos went to cheers. Everybody popped off their seats and were like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. I think I got this crowd in my back pocket now, you know. Walk to the cage, you know, get ready. Music cuts. The second my music cuts out, boom. <laughs> Every time they showed my face on, like, you know, the big screen, you know, in between yeah. rounds of replays, boo. Every time they showed me without the other guy, boo. Dude, they, they hated dude, me. You should have been like, you, to the guy. Oh, I, no, dude, I, trust me, I was too angry. I, I You know, looking back at it, you know, you can. <laughs> that's there right, comes, baby. Comes riddle out. That's it, baby. <laughs> And, uh, but dude, Vincent, trust me, if somebody spits in your mouth when you're about to go do your job, imagine you showed up to work today. Yeah. And on the way in, I was like, hey, bro, I called you a nasty yeah. thing and hawked a loogie in your face. You would be yeah. like, you would probably lose it. Someone, I mean, someone, I would. Someone would have got damaged. Yeah, bro, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, but let's fast forward. Now, it's my last fight in the UFC. Joe Silva hits me up and he goes, hey, we want you to fight Che Mills in London. I go, honestly, Joe. I really don't want to go to London. Last time I was there, you know, in England, you know, I got, you know, somebody spit in my mouth. This and that. I tell him everything. And he's like, if you, and I go, and he goes, well, if you fight Che Mills in London, we will give you Dan Hardy. Because I wanted to fight That's Dan Hardy idea. because I knew I would smash him. We went to the same gym and he wouldn't even get near me in the gym because I would smash the dudes that would smash him in practice. So I just knew it was a match made in heaven for me. So I was like, yes, send the contract. Yes, 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 yes. Well, two weeks after I signed that contract, Dan Hardy signs another fight, probably two months after the fight I already signed for. So the probability of me getting Dan Hardy because he takes about six months in between fights was I wasn't going to fight him. They made, they made it sure. Dan Hardy did not want to fight me. He made that clear as well. And they made sure he wasn't going to have to fight me. So once that happened, you know, I let – double barrels i let it rip i was like they promised me this they did this and i'm like they screwed me you know it wasn't fair and then on top of that you know i did have a medical marijuana license i was in the state of nevada where zufa llc is out of and they didn't respect my medical license but they would respect you know testosterone replacement which is basically you know steroids. steroids from a doctor you know 
And hey, and if you need that outside, if you're you know if you're doing this or that, if you work and you need that, that's fine. But when you're a professional athlete and you're fighting in a steel cage, it's a little different when you use you know steroids and testosterone. And trust me, I've trained with people on it and I've trained with people off it, and there's a huge difference. And I was very vocal about it, and they told me multiple times to shut up. Do not speak about TRT da, 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 because they knew it was wrong. But they plus, wa- they wanted the older fighters to still make they, that money. They wanted the Vanderlei Silvas, the Chael Sonnens, you know, even like I like Forrest, but even the Forrest Griffins because like he was on it too. Because the thing is, these guys, it's not like these guys were that old and needed it. It was more so they abused steroids in the past and now they need it. So, you know, that, you know, I, you know the side effects don't happen from using heavy steroid use. Right. And so I made that vocal. They kept telling me to shut up, you know, but it's like, you guys already lied to me. Why would I shut up? And I made it a point, you know, even my fight in England, the last one I go, I'm going to ride Chase, Chailson, or not Chailson, uh, Chay Mills like a horse. Like, I'm not going to make this fight exciting. I'm going to ride him out and beat him up. I go, I might finish him if I want to. And what did I do? I went out there, took him down about four times around because, of course, they kept standing me up and just beat on him. But I didn't finish him, didn't even go for submissions when I had him. I just made sure to, I wanted my TV time. I got my 15 minutes on TV. That was also, right after the fight, they didn't even let me go to the press conference. Dana White was so pissed and so was Joe Silva because I did what I said I was going to do. And they lied to me and I called them out on it that they, you know, I was on the main event. I was on the main card. Didn't even let me go to the press conference. They're like, you can just go home. They cut my check and like, you can go home. That was that. Three weeks later, they hit me up. They said I failed the drug test. The UFC ran drug tests. And if you've noticed, even in the news, other fighters have had problems with the UFC ran drug tests because they're not ran by doctors. They're just random random UFC drug tests that people supposedly, you know. It's just one of those things. Now, I had tons of lawyers hit me up, say, you can fight this. You know, it's not legit, da 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 but I was hoping to possibly get back in and have a future with them again, you know. So I was like, you know what, I've already said my piece. I'll take it, you know, take tone it down, whatever. And then Dana White, you know, that infamous Fox Sports thing where he just ripped me apart. Yeah, and then, like, I mean, some of those allocations, like, really? You, you just don't say that he was saying, like, you know, beats his wife and kids, like, stuff like that. It's like, come on, really? Dude, like, if, respect if, you, if you ever met Dana White... He he's a real turd, you know. Uh, <laughs> nice word, for you, yeah. Man. You know, it's just it's it's the unfortunate thing that he's been the figurehead of the UFC, and it's probably why the UFC isn't where it should be. It's probably why the, he's going to be the downfall of the UFC. The best thing that'll ever happen is if they get rid of him, because the things I've heard that man say about everybody. Like, I've, I've heard him say very derogatory things about, you know, racist, sexes, and just, like, things you would never think a guy in his position would say and then get away with. And he's done it. I don't know how. And trust me, I remember when I was on The Ultimate Fighter, and this was season seven. They're on, like, season 22, I think, now. That's great, yeah. So it was years ago. This guy would show up to The Ultimate Fighter every day in a different car, either a different Lamborghini, different Ferrari, different Mercedes, different whatever. And there's guys that barely make $8,000 a year fighting for them. You know what I'm saying? So that's the kind of business they run. It's the kind of business they are. They don't really care about their athletes. They don't care about building you. They don't care. They care about themselves. That's why, you know, most people don't even know it's MMA. It's UFC. You do UFC? 
You know, and who do you, do you guys? I don't even know who the champions are really anymore. No, I like I know Ronda yeah. Rousey because she's over. Yeah, you know, but like, and your boy uh, McGregor now. Is yeah, like, well, he's he's not really the he's champion, interim. interim champ. So yeah. it's like, it's just one of those things, and it's just you know the sport's really falling off. I think you know, like, and I know a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I used to watch it. They don't even watch it anymore because it's one so saturated. There's a fight every couple days now. Man, it's not special anymore. Yeah. Back, you know, I remember back in the day, like, you know, you'd get amped for a fight. It's like, oh, it's pay-per-view week, man. Oh, man. You know, kind of like pro wrestling. Yeah. Because even though pro wrestling's on all the time, they still save those matches for those big events. They still have that draw. Well, MMA, like Conor McGregor fight, you know, it sold out, you know, tickets. They usually do in the MGM. But, you know, Dave was like, oh, we did more numbers ever. But when they actually did the numbers, it sold average on pay-per-view. Not too, it's not like more people bought it because of him or other people that were on the card. And it's because the sport's losing its draw. It was, at one point, the world's fastest-growing sport. Now, you know, because of the decisions they've made. And, and I think New York is killing them, too. Yeah, well, why would you want to deal with them? Right. Like, honestly, Bud Light wants to stop their deal with them right now, too, because I heard in a board meeting Dana White said some very offensive things, and they don't like what he says most of the time. That's why, if you notice, they've been keeping him quiet. Like, he's just stands in the background and, like, breaks up fighters at the weigh-ins. Like, you know how, like, you know how much, like, I, I say a lot of what I want to say, but you know how much worse it could be? Like I say some, like in private, I say some pretty bad things like about some people, but no. I know not to say it. No, Come but on. I know not to say it publicly and and learn to eat crap. And Dana just can't do that. It seems like he, I, he has no filter, and that's you know that's one of the biggest downfalls of the UFC. Yeah. Now, um, talk a bit about um, some people that you haven't had a chance to fight in, in the cage, and that you, if you would make a return, who would you like to? Right now, John Jones. Just want to fight John that Jones. Would be- Right there. I see money. I see I'm I'm not cutting weight anymore. I mean, I would still have to cut to make 205 now. But, I mean, I'm not cutting the weight I was. I'd yeah, be you wh- could do that. You could do that just one, one day of training and you'd cut the 205. Yeah. yeah. So it, it would just be a much easier fight. And not saying he's easy. It would just be easier to prepare for the fight. And, you know, I got some, you know, street cred on him because, you know, it was 2004, but in 2004, this guy came out on top, <laughs> yeah. you know, a couple true, times true. that year. So, you know how they do. Joe Rogan could spin that and be like, he's the only man, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I see. I would like that fight if I ever returned. But I'll tell you this. I'm probably never going to return. They could beg me to return. And it's just I don't have the passion that I had for it at one point because of the way I was treated, you know. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like. When you're treated that poorly for so long, and then you do things like, I didn't even want to cut down to welterweight, but they made me cut down to welterweight. I wanted to fight middleweight. That's what I was on the Ultimate Fighter for. I won my first fight at middleweight, and then they made it clear to me that I had to fight welterweight. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, I'll do what you're telling me. I don't want to get fired because, dude, they can fire you anytime they want. That's how that contract works. Plus, he's doing pretty good at this pro wrestling thing. Exactly. So I think yeah. that'll work and, out. And that's good. the thing. Like, I even said to Dan, and I've said to other people, and everybody that watched me get into the UFC was like, it happened so fast, you kind of fell into it. And it's like, I did. You know, I started training. I was winning all these jiu-jitsu tournaments. Then I had a fight, won that fight, tried out for the ultimate fighter, broke a dude's jaw, I was on the show, got over that way, and then I was in the UFC for six years. 
It was like it happened instantly. And like, not that I didn't like it, you know, I like fighting. Fighting's awesome. But like that's not what I wanted. Like I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. I watched pro wrestling. Even when I like fought in the UFC, I was still watching pro wrestling. I really barely would once I was in the UFC, I barely watched MMA because it's like I do this every day. Why would I watch it? You know? But I still like right now I pro wrestle all the time. I'm wrestling all the time. And I still watch professional wrestling because I had that passion for it. It's a little different because it's something I've always wanted since I was a kid. And even when I've spoke to Dan when I first came in, it's like I feel like you know, my evolution, you know, it's making, it's a full circle now. Like, I went from wrestling, I went from pro wrestling in the backyard to amateur wrestling in high school and college to jiu-jitsu to MMA, now and back. now I'm back to the professional wrestling, but at a much higher level. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, just with all those tools I picked up along that circle, it's really just perfect. And I'm, it can't be happier. Yeah, you were awesome. a huge fan of the Attitude Era. Um, Best era that ever happened. Now, Monday Night Wars, <laughs> baby. Monday Night Wars. Now, what's some moments that, that st- stood out in your mind that just got you hooked so so much? Dude, what moment didn't get like me hooked? Like NWO. I mean, the NWO Goldberg was winning. The NWO was pretty sweet. It was, you <laughs> know, for life. Uh, Were you like there, like you know? Oh, I mean, I was there for it all, you know, and like you know, DX, you know, it was just, it was awesome because it was wrestling without the filter anymore it wasn't a kid's program anymore it was like it was them it was the wrestlers being the wrestlers that's why it's so hard to watch today in my opinion you know what the talent of today their wrestling's phenomenal i think like a guy like cesaro adrian neville there's a lot of talent in that locker room these days i think better talent that they even had during the attitude era but because of creative control that that's that's where it's at, and but it's for good reason. The Attitude Era went hard a couple times, a little too hard, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but for somebody like me, you know, like as a kid watching it, it was like, oh, my parents aren't gonna want me to do this. That's awesome, you know. Like I remember walking around, and my my mom and dad hated DX because. <laughs> You know, yeah. just do the little shot. Yeah, suck Clean it. your room. Don't suck it. Yeah, and they're like, get out of here. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. get beat, you know. But uh, <laughs> but it, it was like, it was awesome because it was like, it was the, the wrestler's way of finally like saying, you know what, we're going to do what we're going to do. Even the guys that weren't like that, you know, like even Bret Hart. Bret Hart, instead of just, you know, every time putting the sunglasses on a kid and being like that character, because that's what it was, he was finally him, like, I'm the best there is because that's yeah. what he believed. And honestly, he was one of the greatest performers of all time. And it's just like, just that intensity level, you know? And even like Razor Ramon and Diesel going to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Like, that's real. They went from being oozing mochismo, <laughs> you know, and honking a big rig's horn <laughs> to like being them and being yeah. like, we're taking over. We're going to like break your knees with baseball bats and like just powerbomb you. Yep. And it's like, that's <laughs> awesome. I want to hit somebody with a baseball bat and powerbomb, you know, that'd be sick. Yeah. So like, it was just, you know, I, I even talked to other people. I was like, I remember attitude matches and they're like, they weren't the best, but every match seemed like a fight. Even though there's still wrestling, there's still spots. It just seemed a little more real. And how many like characters, like, like you said, like eight ball, and like you know, like the dude, like, like Godfather, for yeah. example. Oh. That was awesome, dude. I, you know, twenty two K 16s coming out soon. <laughs> I'm really hope. I really hope they bring the hoe train back. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be great. It, I mean, I don't think they will because it's a PG era, reality era, whatever they want to say. Yeah. 
But it would be amazing if, you know, they had the All whole sudden, lineup. You see him go like. You know, and yeah. he's doing, you know, you know his line, roll up a patty for this pimp daddy. Oh, it was, was great. Best, yeah. It was great. And even, oh, it was all so amazing. Now, who from the Attitude Era would you like to face right now since you are training at the factory? I mean, if Danny could bring like, someone Dan, in. Danny knows, like, if I could wrestle anybody or even be a tag partner with them, it, you know, I'm a bit. Should I, I say it? Yeah, you can say it. Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam. Well, now, you know, dude, dude's that a makes competitor. No the dude, the dude can work. Yeah. If you ask me, I can guess a couple reasons why that would make sense. Yeah, but, I know. mean, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> but uh, I just honestly, even before that, I just loved the way he wrestled. I loved his intensity. Everything was. Like, he never had to do a forward roll before he did a flip on you, but he yeah. did. You know, and just he would throw chairs at people and then kick them in your face. It was yeah. just awesome, you know? I just loved what he brought to the table. But if I could wrestle anyway from WWF, WWE Attitude Era, I think it would have to be probably Shawn Michaels in his prime. Just he, the dude can work for days. He can still work for days if he wanted to. And, dude, he was good. And he had attitude, and just everything he did was just, it either pissed you off or you loved it. So you'd be heel? Uh, who knows? You know, let's, let's say you're heel. Cut a promo on Shawn Michaels right now if you can. Oh, oh, snap. I'm going to be like Danny Cage and put you on the spot. <laughs> I don't know, man. You should, next question. Next uh, question. Uh, I, Danny, I don't, do don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, yeah, you don't want to step on any toes. That's right. Uh, <laughs> well, you know something, brother. When Riddle comes out. <laughs> Well, I could do one of those promos, but I got, you know, I want to do a real promo, nice. you know. We'll talk about, you know, when, winning the title at the Monster Factory, man. The, the Fatal 4-Way um, with Clutch, Spanos, and Luis, man. That match, I heard, I'm going to watch on Periscope, you know. That well, was, not anymore. It's I not there anymore. anymore. Now you know, it's only 24 hours. You got to learn the gimmick. I lost out then. But, you what know, a talk, slacker. I know, I am a slacker. But talk about that match, man, and winning that title. It, dude, honestly, I even said to Danny, like, I've fought in the UFC. I've won hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, literally, because with Fight of the Nights and bonuses and all that, I've made a lot of money fighting. And I love fighting. But nothing makes me happier than wrestling. Seriously, you, you, like, this guy, I'll come through the curtain in the back, and he's like, wipe that smile off. You're right. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just so stoked. <laughs> and I remember even uh, the one match, like, Dan wasn't too happy because I went up. I think he's mentioned it last time yeah, he was here. Yeah. I did the whole RVD gimmick on the top rope and hit a five-star. I was like, you guys want to see something awesome? <laughs> you know, and uh, but the, last, his buttons, but the oh, yeah. last match, I kept it professional, you know. But it, it was amazing, you know, not just to win a title. I mean, I've won a lot of belts in my day. I mean, but this one meant a little more to me because it's something I've always wanted to do. And it was probably the most fun to win, you know. And the match was amazing. Uh, me and Luis have worked multiple times already, so we were on point. I've worked with Clutch multiple times, so we were on point. Spanos, I haven't worked with as much, but that's because he broke his arm and stuff. So haven't been able to work as much with Spanos, but he was on point for the match, and uh, it went perfect. I don't think I missed, you know, one thing, and it was probably the best match I've had to date. You know, it was just... Everything just went smooth. It just felt so right. And we were diving over the top ropes. To the wrong side. To the wrong side. Well, it was hard cam side, you know. That was wrong side. But, uh, yeah, well. Always something. See, the thing is, we actually, I thought we changed that. Because when Clutch did his practice dive, (laughs) 
He goes into the chairs. He went what? flying. And this is after we moved a row already. Yeah. He so jumped. He got up and said, let's go, probably, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he actually got up pretty slow after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he got he, up and kind of apologized. Yeah, he ricocheted <laughs> some chairs off his own head and stuff. And we're like, maybe we should do it on this side. And I didn't, I didn't get the second memo where we were going on that side. But, hey, you know, uh, those things will happen. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, but it, it was it was great. Like couldn't ask for a better match. Everybody got their stuff in. Everything looked great, and it was awesome. And like I said, I came back, and you know, like I said, I've made tons of money fighting in front of millions of people. And I go, Dan, probably the best day of my life. <laughs> and like, and my wife's probably pissed because I've had kids. You know, no, no. Yeah, and he kids. even said that too. You know, and it's like I've had kids, but this is still the best day of my <laughs> life. You know, so but that's me. And he bought it out. With us that night to Whistler's, I brought it. I brought it to work on Monday. Oh, yeah. I rolled up in the convertible. I got a convertible Saab. You know, I don't know what year it is. You know, it's a little <laughs> old, but I roll up there and I literally whip the oh, bell yeah. out of the satchel. I stand up in the convertible. I'm like, no need to fear. The champion. You got to do a promo in that, man. That would oh, be great. It, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. It still is. I still got the belt. He brings I, it everywhere. It's I do. Awesome. It's, it's in the car right now. Nice. Now, July 25th, you're defending the title against, I believe, either Clutch or Spanos, right, Danny? Yeah. Yep. Now, talk about you don't know who you're going to face. How do you prepare for something like that? No, you know, you got to take it one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for any challenge. He could bring in some random dude off the street. I'd be ready for it. Uh so the Riddle Open Challenge, just like U.S. Challenge? If that's what it ha- what happens, that's what happens. I'm down to defend at any time. But uh, I'm definitely ready for either Clutch or Spanos. They know what they got to do. I know what I got to do. And uh, it'll be a barn burner, you know. It's like every time I work with anybody, we we work, you know. I don't let – I'm not just going to go out there and have a crap match, you know. So – we're going to make sure we go out there and we have fun and we do what we're supposed to do. You know who you're facing. I do. You, you know this isn't real, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be a... Which is tougher to prepare, like, prepare yourself for. If you know you're going to go out and really try and, like you said, break somebody's jaw. But when you're wrestling in wrestling, obviously, you're, you're protecting the, the other people. Like, which do you find to be, I guess, tougher to do? You know, I've gotten this question before, and fighting, I personally thought, was easier to prepare for because it was just like, I'm trying to kill you. I know what you're good at. I'm going to try to stop that and do what I'm good at. And you're going to go by instincts. And by instincts where, like, I just react, you know? And, like, and like wrestling, you can kind of go by instincts, but if his instincts aren't on the same page... Well, what some... you have to do, like, we talked... Sorry to interrupt, but, like, we talked about, like, you have to get a wrestler's instincts... And to get that is repetition, like, you know, even falling. You know, some idiots will, if they're going to get knocked down, they put their arm down, or they don't roll, or they put their head a certain way. But a wrestler's instinct is to embrace that fall and to actually, you know, fall flat back or roll through something. Um, You see somebody doing something in wrestling, you have to run towards that collision within UFC as you're avoiding that collision and countering it. So, like, you have to get that wrestler's instinct, and it's tough to get that. But once you get it, I mean, it, it's cake to work with somebody, but it's just getting that instinct. And the other thing, too, in fighting, you're just fighting against each other. <clears throat> Even if it doesn't look the greatest, it's a fight. You just got to win. Professional wrestling, 
can't just be a win. You got to make it look good. You got to you know, tell that it, story. Yeah, you got to tell the story. You got to get the crowd involved because anybody can have a good wrestling match. You know, if you if you've been wrestling for a couple of years, you know the moves. You know a guy pretty well. You could set up all these spots and do it. But if there's no character behind it, no charisma, no excitement, nobody's gonna care. Nobody's and, gonna get behind it because I've seen great. I've seen matches on our shows. The first couple matches where the guys are hitting sweet moves like power bombs and other things, and you'll hear crickets because nobody's like nobody's talk, invested. Nobody's in them. yelling at the crowd. You know they're not establishing their character, and that was the biggest thing. Even when I first started, like I could do all the moves. Like you know, you tell me to do this, I can do a backbreaker. I can do a backflip. I can do whatever. But it's like okay, you can do all that. But now it's time to get your character over. You got to get the crowd invested into that. So that, like, even when I first started, like, that was one of the biggest things I started to realize because I could do this stuff, but then, like, nobody cared. And nobody in UFC goes, you have to take your time. You have to slow down. You have to pace it out. Let the crowd absorb it. Nobody in UFC goes, you got to work the hard cam side. Don't forget, pay attention to where the cameraman is when you work that. Make sure you get that facial expression over. So it's it's a whole other ballgame. It's a completely different ballgame, and that's why I would even say again, way tougher because you're not just trying to win you're trying to entertain the crowd entertain the world at some levels you know so that and you know how it is that's way harder to do it's hard to entertain people especially nowadays you know so yeah <laughs> okay so um what's what's the next step for matthew riddle like what's what's the goals the goals is to Continue to have fun with this or try to make it to the WWE? The, you know, the goal is, uh, you know, when I grew up, even when I wrestled, you know, I didn't start when I was in Pee Wee's. I started later. And the goal is not to just do it. You know, anybody can just do it. Mm-hmm. My goal is always to get somewhere with it. My goal is the WWE. And me and Dan have taken every right step. You know, we, we already got, I got a tryout this past June. I can't necessarily tell you exactly what happened, but... It went extremely well. Was it what you thought it was going to be? It was Danny prepared me 110%. Like, I was there with other indie wrestlers and stuff like that, and they were not ready. Like, I was ready. I knew exactly what to expect. He has, a, you know, his buddy Cutler down there, and I was beyond prepared. And plus Luis went there. I was beyond prepared. I killed it, and it went 100% perfect. Now we got some more going down in... Uh very near future for some tryouts awesome can't say anything but it's it's looking good to, to be continued right yes 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 and before we wrap up dan i want you to talk about um the charlotte thing coming up with legends oh that's gonna be awesome it's um, gonna be we're, sweet yeah we're, we got like 14 of us going that's awesome um we got uh ian riccaboni one of our announcers is going to and plus all the wrestlers and uh I, it's going to be a four-day camp. It's got Tom Pritchard there. It's got Nigel McGinnis there, Rip Rogers, Gerald Briscoe. I mean, just so many, Les Thatcher, just so many of the big names of training, the who's who in wrestling. And it's going to be a four-day camp. All And then plus the Legends uh, dinner. I mean, it's just, if you don't learn something there, you're a jackass. And it's it's and it's and only $300, and you're there for four days. Plus, I mean, you got to pay for a hotel, whatever. But, like, yeah. Like I always say, if you can't invest in yourself, then then why should anybody else invest in you? And I think there's going to be 35 wrestlers there, and we have, like, I think, 14 of them are wow. going to be our guys. So I'm really looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to our that guys. That speaks volume itself. Yeah, yeah. and I, well, I'm looking forward to our guys not disappointing. 
you know, because like it's my name and our name out there. So like everybody should be wanting everybody to step up and they'll see that sense of pride in themselves. If they go out there and one of their guys that they train with, it's different. Like when we all just screw up around each other, but when you're in front of other people and somebody screws up, those feel the same feeling I feel all the time. They're going to be like, damn it. Why did he do that? Like he shouldn't have done that. Why do you do that? And then like, hopefully the learning then comes home and we're like, we got to always be on point. We always have to be doing what we should be doing. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it because I kind of want to show off our guys. Like I like showing off our guys. I'm very proud of them. I give them a hard time, but it's because I'm their coach and I have to. Like I'm not there to high five them and be their friends all the time. That's after the show. Like when we're training, I don't want to talk to you. Like they I put so much into their yeah. their futures. And I and, and you know you know I doubt Belichick you know hangs out and plays grab ass with everybody. No, he's <laughs> he's their coach and he wants to make them better. Yeah. You know, no, I, I the only people that ever complain about Belichick or any of these other coaches being terrible are people that couldn't put in the work. But the people who got Super Bowl rings and all that stuff, they say he's the greatest coach ever. So like that's what I want. I want the guys that want the ring. I want the guys that want to go to WWE to Ring of Honor to TNA. That's what I want. So and the Anth- brass ring. Yeah, That's baby. Right. And Anthony's got a couple of big seminars coming up, right? Well, we got we got uh, Joel Gertner coming up August eighth, which is going to be awesome because he's uh, he's the man, and his seminar is so awesome. Like he just sits there like for five hours and like takes his time with everybody. He puts the people in different scenarios. Like the last camp was really fun. Uh, he's really laid back. Like one of the nicest guys around. Um, and then we got some other seminars coming up. Uh, we're going to br- be bringing Rip Rogers back in, Les Thatcher back in. Nice. Like, we're, we we just got a, a constant. We bring Rip in every year, Les Thatcher in every year, Joe Briscoe in for the tryouts and, and uh, evaluations. Um, hopefully, you know, MVP will be back soon. But that's just for our guys. Uh, Waltman will be back. And, you know, it's just constant learning at, at the Monster Factory. It's, you know, it's 24-7. Well, when you get back from Charlotte, you'll have to come back up and tell us, bring oh, some absolutely. students, tell us how it absolutely. went and everything. And as always, thanks all for always hey, coming don't up. don't forget this Saturday, come by the Monster Factory. MonsterFactory.org, right? Yeah, MonsterFactory.org. Matt, best of luck in your career, man, and more than welcome to come back anytime you want. And uh, Thanks, man. You got it, brother. So remember, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on the radio. All right, guys, we're out. Completely dead! Completely dead!